Welcome to the Morning After Podcast, a Freedom Center Church podcast. All right, well, welcome to another episode of Morning After Podcast. Pastor Josh here with you this morning with Pastor Jim. How are you doing this morning? I am Starbucks invigorated for a Monday. <laughs> you don't have a Starbucks cup, though. What is I that? Do. Is this that is actually a... Starbucks. This is oh, okay. A... Oh. Oh, he's spilled. This is a, I think put the lid back on again. It's dangerous without it. This is it. This is my I'll Christmas great gift. I, I got the entire month of January. I could take this container in yeah. and get it filled with Starbucks for free. Once just regular coffee, right? Not a regular latte coffee. or anything yeah, I like don't that. drink lattes. Those are for girls. But oh, okay. I, yeah, I, I drink uh, just lick an ashtray, black coffee. Good Can you stuff. do that any month? Can you pay like a certain amount and then they no, give you? So no, it was a, a month Christmas of January. Promotion. So it was a Christmas wow. gift. It's nice. You open up in the stocking. You almost can't wait for the new year because you could have it's one per day but you know they don't know who you are so you can't back, <laughs> right you know. or there's multiple starbucks that you can visit there you go it's not stealing one per day. it's a promotion <laughs> and then we have dina <laughs> on this morning too Good did morning. you get did you get him that that gift yes for Christmas? i did because did. he doesn't like to spend money on uh, himself on, or right. on coffee so yeah so is it just the mug and then you get free coffee or did you have to buy the mug and then like a coffee subscription on top of that <laughs> no you bought the mug it was forty dollars for the mug but then you got free coffee for the month of january this so brought to you yeah. By starbucks. yeah if you can't tell we're being sponsored by starbucks today they, they need to sponsor us with how much money that we spend there really? i feel like they we should write them our, off as dependents on our income it should be our sponsorship yeah so. i'm looking at the trash up here in the creative arts yep, yeah <laughs> That's, that's full the of small trash. trash. The yep. other trash over there is really full, so we need to take that out today. <laughs> but there's a reason why we're not filming today, that we're only <laughs> doing an audio version of it. Um, so let's get right into it. Yeah, Yesterday was uh, Forgive. It was part five of our Forgive yeah. series. And I guess my first question before we even get started is, is our Forgive series over, or are we continuing it again Well, yes week? and no. I, I'm done talking about it. But uh, so this, this week coming up will not be another sermon on forgiveness. But the week after is Mother's Day. Dean is going to be speaking, and I think there is another message that kind of uh, goes along with that theme. Is yeah, that, is um, right? on the second service, so I didn't say this first service, but... The very last thing that I shared was chase down your decision. If you choose not to forgive, what does your life look like versus right. if you choose to forgive? And um, at intergenerational night, that's specifically what I'm talking about is chasing down the decision to forgive or not to forgive. Uh-huh. And then um, Mother's Day, I may touch on it just a little bit. Yeah, but cool. that's When you say chasing down, what is that? What does that mean? That means just basically follow your, you know, if I choose not to forgive yeah. that, um, and that I used the example yesterday of my mom who was molested as a child, right. chose not to deal with it her whole life. And yeah. she's just angry, bitter, sure. sick. You already got to see how that played right. out. Right. Follow right. it to the end of the road yeah. and right. see if you want to walk down that road or not. Sure. When you're at the crossroads, it seems like logical. Like I'll just, I just won't, or I just yeah. will. Or I just, you know what I mean? Right. It's like, but man, go down the road 30 years and you realize you've only poisoned yourself for the last three decades. Right. Or, yeah. or your children and your grandchildren, you know? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Well, how did you guys think yesterday went with Mike and Terry? I'm kind of bummed that neither of them could join us this morning. But Yeah. I, I was surprised at how well it went. I, I you know, the, the illustration, but what I was thinking, you know, forgiveness as something that happened 10 years ago versus something that happened 10 minutes ago and it's going to happen 10 minutes from now. Yeah. I, what I think most often is just like, like friendships, family, marriage, work-related stuff, you know what I mean, where you're just in these mandatory covenant ongoing financially you know re- relationships and you can't get out of them so we brought it up that there was a, a past issue uh you know with the church i thought does that really apply to everybody but i thought that i was shocked at how well it, it applied to everybody right. so it sure. wasn't just people who had been in a church situation somehow 
that dynamic related to all the other dynamics, and I, I was very pleased with it. Yeah, Dina, same thing. Yeah, I thought it was. Um, it seemed very healing for a lot of yeah, people. A lot of tears. A lot of tears. A lot of um, even great connections with Mike and Terry. As far as you know, they're going to start going to dinner with people and helping them start yeah. walking out. What, I thought that was really cool yesterday like? was whenever they were done, there were a ton of people that were yeah. coming up to them to talk to them and just like, I have a very similar story or I've been hurt by yeah. whatever. And so right. that was really cool that it's cool that they came to our church very broken and then right. to see them not only get healed, but now hopefully bring other yeah, people healing. into yeah. healing yeah. Um, is I mean, I think that's what we're all about. Yeah. I think that's pretty and awesome. I, and I think, too, uh, one of the things that makes them stand out is they really fought for this. Yeah. This, yeah. I mean, they fought for it for years where they were. And, and when they, when they you know, God gave them that grace to be released, it wasn't, you know, they, they were already halfway there. They right. just needed a safe place to reinforce it, I think. And we were honored to be that place. But, yeah, they, it's kind of like saying, you know, Dina's been through something. And so everybody, you know, three years from now, you'll be like, Dina. It's like, no, no, Dina worked very hard right. to, to do the things Jesus yeah. told her to do. Same thing with the Millers, for sure. Yeah, Terry's one of those people that, um, I don't know, like, I haven't spent much time with her, but she feels, she's a, like, when you hear her stories, you're like, I, I would have never imagined that you've been through those things. Because, yeah. like, anytime Lauren and I have spent time with her, she's, she's like, all, she's just like love like the physical manifestation of yeah. love. Like she's very yeah. happy, very loving, yeah. uh, not judgmental, like right. very nice yeah, lady. Motherly, yeah. 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 So <laughs> their story is crazy. Mike's very motherly right. too. Mike, if you're listening <laughs> to this, you snuggle very well, Mike. But that was one of the things at the end of the um, message yesterday, they looked at me and they just said, um, thanks for loving us. Yeah. And yeah. I said, absolutely. You right. know, it's easy with you guys. And that, right. that was, their thing yesterday was after the message, they took all the time in the world to talk yeah. with people, to hear them, not to just, yeah, thanks, but, you know, share your story with us. And then, yeah. you know, they prayed with them if they needed to be prayed with. Right, they right. set up dinner appointments. They mm-hmm. just really have a heart to love people. And, yeah. you know, it kind of goes with to who's been forgiven much, loves much. Yeah, Is that right. what it, yeah. you know, yeah. and not, yeah. uh, they just love, love because they know the opposite of that. Right. You know, awesome. Cool. All right. Well, we have a lot of questions that didn't yeah, get addressed get yesterday yeah. that we want to start addressing. Uh, let's start off with this one. It was asked by a couple of different people, but, um, at what point do you, do you know that you need to cut off a relationship with a family member? Yeah. I, I, I think you're probably, I'll get my answer in 10 seconds. You give yours because you, you actually have to some degree I had to wrestle with this. So my, my thought is, is it's, it's okay to create, you're not cutting off, you're creating a boundary. Yeah. You're, you're not, you're not, something is dead. You cut off something that, that is sick. You create a boundary. So right. I, I would say you don't, you don't cut off family members, but you are allowed to say, you know, until such a time as you get sober, until such a time yeah. as you're ready to discuss the issue, until such a time as you're not toxic. I, I love you. I forgive you. But until such a time, yeah, and when that time is ready, I, ma'am, you, here's my phone number. I'll talk to you soon. You know what I mean? And, uh, and you leave it that way. But, you know, I'm just done with you. Like, that's not Jesus. But right. when you're ready to talk, I'm ready to talk. You know? Yeah. What do you think? That I think um, something that you taught me through the years was, um, because I would say it's just a five-minute phone call or it's just a weekend trip, you know? And you would say, okay, well, take this big glass of water and I just put a drop of poison in it. Yeah. Do you want to drink it? Right. And I, you know, would always say no, but you just don't think about that. And, you know, um, 
it's no secret my dad's favorite verse to pull out on all of us kids is the bible says honor your mother and father yeah. and therefore in his opinion that means do what i tell you to do right yeah. and love then, is yeah. you doing what i tell you to do yeah. and sometimes the most loving thing you can do for people is to put a boundary up and yeah. to um you know not let them have access to you and right. your family so yeah. Yeah, I think Sue. I think sometimes people are strong enough to be around sick people and not get sick. I think some people, you know, as, as as Dina was getting healthier, it was important she didn't return back to the source of all the disease. You know what I mean? And right. I think now, I, you know, I've heard him quote that to you now, and you're like, no, Dad, that's not what it means. And you're not angry. You're not hurt. Right. You're not manipulated. Right. It's like, no, I I know who I am now. So you can't you can't use things to to mold yeah. me into the shape you want me to be. So right. I think th- there's no real like distinct one answer to that, but mm-hmm. I, you don't cut them off, but you, you have to take care of you. You know, the oxygen mask comes down, you got to put yours on first and there's nothing, you don't have an apology for taking care of your own soul and, and thereby taking care of your own families and relationships and marriages. And you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, never, you never cut off a family member, but to create a, a healthy boundary is what healthy people do. It's what Jesus did with a lot of people. Right. He did hang out with a lot of people that, you know, that, that were toxic. So. Yeah. Um, some, this question didn't get texted, but I've actually had multiple people ask me this, but, um, with everything that you've gone through in your life, do you think for you to get full healing and kind of get away, did you have to get out of the state? Did you have to get away from your family or was that just part of every, everything? I mean, it was just part of everything, but looking back that it was probably the healthiest thing I yeah. could have done. Um, myself, Aunt Deborah, you know, mm-hmm. that both of us got out of the state and it has been the best thing yeah. for both of us to do. Right. And but I guess my question more is, do you, could you, could you have still gotten the healing and everything that you needed staying in Oklahoma or did you? No. Okay. I mean, for one, my parents, and I really hate to keep you yeah. know, ragging on them because without them being my parents, I wouldn't be who I right. am today. So yeah. I am very thankful for the parents that God gave me. But, um, you know, counseling was a sign of weakness to them. And you sure only bad people, only sick people, only right. crazy people. And if they would have known I was going to counseling, you know, right. and that year that I was going to counseling, I was going to prayer ministry. I, doctors, medication, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, just to get healthy. Um, if they would have known half of that, right. they would have um, asked me or told me I, not I, to. I would uh, say, I think she could have. I, you said, no, I, I'm going to say probably, but I think they, that her family would have hated me because I would have been the one saying, yeah. I'm sorry, but my wife can't play with you right now. Sure. And, and until I tell you, you can call her again, like I would have really have been the bad guy. So it yeah. wasn't the occasional phone call when they were having dinner Sunday and you're coming because children obey your parents. It's like, well, up yours. You know what right. I mean? We're, we're not doing that. And and it would have. And we had many times where yeah. I, I would I would defend her, and one or the other parent would yeah would really undermine that and really to the other siblings. You know, right. women don't like to be controlled. Women don't like don't ever treat your wife that way. It's like no, I'm, I'm protecting my wife from from people that aren't healthy. I'm not. I'm yeah, not bullying her. I'm well, I mean, that can I go over. case in point yeah. was um, last time we had to go home because my mom had surgery yeah. through a set of circumstances that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was very angry at me and my sister and came out in the waiting room of the hospital and said, you two right now outside, I want to talk to you. And um, Aunt Deborah's husband stood up and said, okay, where are we going? And he said, 
you're not welcome. This is between me and my daughters. Yeah. And that's when dad stood in and said, if you're talking to my wife, I will be present. Sure. And yeah. I mean, honestly, for the best, because if not, Aunt Deborah would have decked grandpa yeah, it was right ugly. there. Yeah. yeah. It was and it was all of it coming back like, no, I'm going to reinforce this now. And two healthy people said, no, you're not. Right. It's, we refuse to go back to that yeah. slavery. Yeah. So. Yeah, and we had a lot of questions. Yep. That's, that's <laughs> right. an yeah, yeah. We're gonna go less personal now and more general. Um, some uh, we got this a couple times yesterday, but uh, I think this is something that kind of the secular world never talks about. So p- maybe people don't understand it, but yeah. they want you to define what spiritual abuse is, like what that yeah, means. Yeah, spiritual abuse is when you use um, things like the Bible, uh, biblical places of authority, to to basically enslave, manipulate cast fear doubt division in other words just the opposite of what god intended when those words when those positions were created yeah now you use them basically to enslave people and, and i i think that's throughout history that's not a, a new dynamic but sure. social abuse is when you know me as, as your father for example i use that position that god gave me to manipulate you through scriptures to basically control your life versus bless you and yeah i, I take from you instead of give to you things like that so right when, when there's sincere issues and problems and they, how dare you question the man of God? How mm-hmm. dare you question the Holy Church? How, it's like, no, no, we're full of questions. And, and if you're not hiding something, you should be able to, to answer right. those plainly. Yeah. You know? Well, and I think that's why some people get turned off by the church is sure. they think that it's a, it's a power grab or it's a money grab that yeah. you're going to use these things to manipulate me and turn me yeah. into who you want me to be. And I don't want that. So yeah. no, it's, it's when Jesus isn't the center. And love yeah. isn't the center, and grace right. isn't the center. It's when this organization, my authority, you know, yeah. you're, you're here to serve me, give me your money, you know, that kind of stuff. Just, you, mm-hmm. can, you can see it all over the place. You're right. It's crazy. I see these late-night commercials with these televangelists with the holy water and the blessing oil and the, the peace of the cross and, you know, just drink this water and put this oil and put this cross in your underwear. It's like, I, what's the matter with you? Put this cross yeah. oh, in your baby. underwear. Don't, even, don't get me started. That's not even the craziest one I've ever seen. It's ridiculous <laughs> what they do. And it all involves some sort of manipulation for, for money. Yeah. for power, you know. So yeah. it's using what God gave. It's exactly what the devil did. It, he walks in the garden and just takes over. That's that's what spiritual abuse is. Right. It's using what God said, didn't say, you know what I mean, against yeah. people. Okay. Um, so, so the next question is, uh, when you're judged for forgiving someone, how do you handle those who call you crazy for forgiving that person? Like they've seen you get hurt over and over again by the same person and you continue yeah. to forgive them. Yeah. And maybe it's somebody that loves you and cares about you and I think one of the best things I've ever heard to speak into that um, was Jesus and Judas and how Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. Yeah. And yet yeah. he chose to serve him, to love and him. He washed his feet. To wash it? his yeah. feet. Yeah. yeah. And um, so when people would say, you're crazy, it's, yeah, I may be, but I've more never been more like Jesus than when I choose right. to do that. I think too that the crazy like um, Mandela, uh, Martin Luther King, you know Gandhi, people that use nonviolence and mercy to to show how unfair, how unjust, how you know what I mean, and then by by serving those that are persecuting them, you know the world says, hey, they're right. You know what I mean? So they're. I think, hey, defend yourself. Don't be a doormat. It's like, oh, wait a minute. There's some pretty great evidence that what Jesus says about forgiving your enemies actually has a lot of power. It's not It's not a lack of power. And people say, well, that that's weakness. You're crazy. It's like, well, then you try to forgive somebody. <laughs> we'll, right. we'll see, you know, not forgiving people is actually a manifestation of weakness. The manifestation of strength is mercy. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think, too, that it's always easy to look from the outside in and tell sure. people, you know what I'm saying, that if unless I'm there and I know the specific situation, if yeah. I know the specifics, then I really have no right talking into it. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Um, this next one is, do you believe unforgiveness can cause disease and health issues? I, I not only, yeah, it's not a faith thing, it's a science thing. Yeah. It's absolutely true. Yeah. And back to Dr. Caroline Leaf and some of the research we did a series uh, what, a couple of months ago on neuroplasticity. Yeah. Do we have her book for sale in the resource center? Yeah. Okay. We're actually sold out of so, it right oh. now, but we'll be getting more this week. Okay. So, yeah. so by Sunday pastor's, well. been, pastor's been talking about this book quite a bit. The title of it is? I don't know. Activating your brain or something, or switch on your brain. Switch, switch on, on your, your brain. brain. I think it's a pictures, great book, so, yeah. um, and it is for sale in the research. Yeah, and if you're, between now and then, look up anything on YouTube with Dr. Caroline Leaf and yeah. lots of great talks in different places. Right. But I know she's just taught she's, you a lot in the last. Yeah. However well, long she's confirmed things that I, I know. I mean, the Bible talks about unforgiveness sure. rots your bones, and you yeah. look at yeah. the the correlation between um, autoimmune disease and unforgiveness and bitterness, such as you know arthritis, osteoarthritis. You know, why is it that the body's turning against itself? And and forgive me, I, I'm not saying it off. You have arthritis, you have sin in your life, and God's cursing you. I totally reject that. But it's it's more causal. It's If I walk out in the rain, I am going to get wet. If I yeah. if I ignore certain commands that are spiritual and soulish, well, right. my spirit and soul are connected to my body, you know? So kind of like when you, if you go for a – if you exercise on a sunny day and you get that – you know, your soul feels better. Well, you didn't exercise your soul. You exercised your body. Why? Right. But one affects the other. Yeah. So – we're a triune being, and one part of us, Jesus says, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. And and so the end result is as if, as if your spirit wasn't willing. Your flesh overwhelmed your spirit, and you, you fell asleep when you're supposed to be praying you know, right. in that one instance. So absolutely. At, at absolute anger, um, overly adrenalized, uh, you know, all the stuff that goes with it, all of that. We were not created to lie. We can see that in a polygraph test. Yeah. You know, lying actually causes our, our, our cells to decay. Uh, our DNA is morphed. In other words, what we're regenerating ourselves in, the old cells are dying, the new cells are being created. Mm -hmm. um, we can literally destroy um, healthy uh, parts of our DNA, which is actually passed down to the next generation because our yeah. DNA becomes their DNA. So, yeah, it's hugely important. You you are literally uh, drinking poison when, when you walk in chronic unforgiveness. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> yeah. um, the, the next question, I'm just, I'm kind of sorry. I'm not really like commenting on what you guys are saying because there's so many questions yeah. to go through. I'm just going to kind of like rapid, keep rapid fire questioning. Um, but uh, this one, like Dina mentioned yesterday that you kind of helped her get through a lot and yeah. kind of were that covering between her and her family. Yeah. Uh, this person wants to know what if your husband's actually the one that's doing the yeah. hurting? He's not the one. Boy, we, heard, we heard a lot of that yesterday, and it was funny because Mike's got his arm around Terry, and you and I are holding hands, and that comes up in the first service specifically. Right. And uh, and we, we added something to it. Why don't you address that one, babe? Because I, I think that's you might be better off. That um, so I talked about Aunt Deborah and her um, first marriage, and how um, because of the control and manipulation that um, Grandpa used to get all of us kids to do what he wanted to um she fell in love and married a man like that and right. at first the abuse started being just verbal and which then went to physical which you know escalated years later to um a gunder had saying even your god can't protect you from me now mm -hmm. and that's when she said i knew i had to go above robert's head to God. God right. is his covering. Right. God is his, yeah. you know, and um, 
She said when she woke up the very next morning, God had just so gently and, you know, just dropped it in her spirit that pack your bags, it's time to go, I've released you. Right. And she never, I mean, that he left for work, she did what God told her to do, and Mm -hmm. um, she made it about halfway to Oklahoma and um, called my dad and brother who met her halfway and, you know, just um, as soon as she got there, she fell into a million pieces. Sure, yeah. But that's... um, you know, she just knew what God said to her and right. that that superseded what... And that's the point. Um, the point is you always can appeal to a higher level yeah. of authority. It's If you think about authority like an umbrella, if the, if, if the umbrella directly over your head is full of holes and, and the rain's getting through, there's always another umbrella called Jesus. I mean, yeah. however far you go up, whatever the injustice, whatever the crime is, there's always a, an right. appellate court much higher than the Supreme Court. And yeah. That's, and that's, you know, God. So, yeah, you, he is a father to the fatherless and a husband to the widow and... And sure. uh, he'll he'll be there for you, which I maybe you don't want to hear. You know what I mean? It's like no, no, I I want, you know, I I don't want to hear that. Well, yeah. it's it's the truth though. Like you've got to hear that. It's there isn't somebody else. You're you know what I mean? The police play a role, lawyers play a role, counselors play a role, pastors play a role. But in the end, God is the greatest authority. All authority yeah. in heaven and earth, Jesus says, is given yeah. to me. You know. And that I just want to come back to that real quick. Um, Aunt Deborah, when she was going through that, you know, sat down with several people and said, what do you think? What do you, and, right. you know, she asked me and I finally said, Deborah, I'm not the one that stands before God for this answer. Yeah. You are. And you have yeah. to know that God told you, that right. God spoke to you, that, you know, so um, that's between, the interpretation of the scripture right there is so different for everybody, right? Yeah. That, well, and, and I, again, clean conscience comes back to obedience. Right. It comes back to hearing God's voice. You never make big decisions like that. I mean, staying in that marriage would have been a big decision. Right. Yeah. Leaving that marriage was a big decision. It, right. it isn't a time right. to, to go off of feelings because between all the manipulation of her childhood and I mean, this feels comfortable even though it's deadly. This is right. normal. Right. It's just a new level of normal. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just yesterday, I was, yeah. I was at a store well, and someone say. stopped me and said, I know you're a pastor, so you're going to tell me I can't divorce my husband, but... And she talked about 14 years of infidelity and drug addiction and, you know, a week in a hotel with his old girlfriend. But don't worry, we didn't do anything. It's like, you know, do I have a right? I'm like, well, you, you have a responsibility to be obedient. I'm never going to tell you you can or sure. can't. It's not my place. But but you you need to be obedient to whatever God tells you. It's time to go. If it's time yeah. to stay, that's up to him. That's not up to me. So, yeah, there there is a covering that's greater. And what's neat about that covering is he can, I mean, you think about the history of the world. Paul tells slaves to obey their earthly mass. I mean, it isn't always, I'm not happy, I want out. It's uncomfortable, I want out, it hurts, I want out. I, I get that, and I understand that want to gig out, and certainly when the slaves have an opportunity to be free, thank God they did. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Thank God for the Emancipation Proclamation and all the other things. But but it, in the meantime, it, just because it hurts or it doesn't seem fair, it doesn't seem right, is not a reason to end something You know, by yourself. But yeah. God, through civil government through civil war through whatever set people free right and now they're free indeed they didn't run away from somebody they they're free you know so yeah it's a tough situation so for us to give you a blank answer again it's it's tough right yeah it's more of a case-by-case thing than anything else Uh, it's it's a word-by-word thing yeah yeah god speaks to do it right obey all right next question um does the statement i forgive you have to actually be spoken to the person that hurt you or is it just more of a you have forgiven the person. Did they need the person that hurt you? Did they need to audibly hear can you I, say? I, I looked at you to answer, you. but can I answer? This is what you. This is how not to do that. Okay, <laughs> listen. I want you to know I forgive you. 
for these 97 things you did to me, you rotten son of a gun. Right. But I want you to know that I forget. I think sometimes it's better not to say it to somebody <laughs> because you just stir up pots. You know what I mean? But I think it was, yeah, I think you can't because sometimes people died. Yeah. I think you can't because sometimes they're not ready to hear, I forgive you. I, you know, I, I'm thinking of your dad right now. I forgive you. You'd say, for what? You're the one that's disobeying me right now by right. now living in Oklahoma, right. you know, in my garage. So I, I think it's, uh, and I exaggerate a little bit, it would have been the family room probably. But yeah, but yeah, it, it's, I think, I don't think, I think it's important you say it to God. I think it's important you do say it out loud. Right. And, and when it when it makes peace, I think it's important you say it to men. If, if you and I had a huge argument and it was my fault, and yeah. I came to you and said, hey, son, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like that means something. Well, I don't have to say I'm sorry because I'm your father. That that's the wrong thing. Right. So I think sometimes it's the wrong thing. Sometimes you can't. Uh, some, but if you do, you are apologizing for what you did. You're not explaining why what you did was the right thing to do because I did what I did because you did what you did. Your response to whatever I did is your responsibility. Yeah. And you're taking responsibility for the actions repentantly. So please, because we get that. How often do we get that? It's just crazy. I want you to know I forgive you for all the offensive things you said and did, you dirty so-and-so. Right. And I'm like, they walk away and we literally kind of laugh and go, well, I hope they feel better. I, I feel terrible. Right. I just got, I, they just repented, like, you know, humbled themselves before me and, and now I'm the devil. Well, have a nice day. That's great. Right. That's funny. <laughs> it's funny, but it's consistent. Like, yeah. Yeah. Would, would you say three well, quarters of the apologies right. include it's our sins ther- against them? Yeah, it's cathartic for anything. them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right, this next one. Um, this guy says, I was in the military and I was in combat. How do I forgive those who fought against me as well as be forgiven for my role in war? Yeah, I, I, and I'll answer that one too. But we did in the first service, but we didn't in the second. And I think that question came. Yeah, it's from yeah. the second. So he, I, I, I said it yesterday, I'll just repeat it. Um, when you as a soldier of the United States Army uh, military were sent um, – it, it's a horrible thing, and I'm I'm so sorry that the world we live in requires armies and requires soldiers to fight wars against other soldiers. Um, but it is the reality of this world. Romans 13 talks about the civil authorities that God has established, and talks about those civil authorities, such as nations, such as the United States, that they don't bear the sword in vain. In other words, the sword is the basic infantry weapon of uh, you know of the infantry of of Rome, shield and sword. That sort of thing. So it's basically saying that, that the U.S. government doesn't bear the M16 in vain. There's a reason we have that. And the reason we have armies is because there's only one thing worse than war, and that is letting Hitler take over the world. There's one thing worse than war, and that's letting the Taliban destroy Fallujah and, and sell into slavery young girls and throw people off the tops of buildings because they're not Islamic. I mean, there there are things worse than war. And when things are that are worse than war occur in the world, just nations such as our nation do things that are um, very hard and very costly. We weren't created to take life. One of the reasons that we dehumanize those that we fight against, we call them Nazis or uh, gooks or skinnies or, you know, that's where we, we try to find the names. They're not men. They're not, they're not boys. They're, they're not soldiers. They're, they're something that we could kill. You know what I mean? They're mosquitoes. Um, mm-hmm. So I, that whole training, that whole programming of your mind for war um, created an enemy that you could kill. And, but I, I guess I'd say this in the end. Thank you for going. I'm so glad you made it back. And if you've made it back, now your war is over with. And um, I don't know that you owe God an apology for what you did in war. You were sent by a just nation uh, to, to achieve a just goal. Um, I don't think you owe the other nation an apology. Um, if they hadn't been so stupid, you would have had to gone over there and left your family to do the things that you did. I don't think you owe yourself an apology. I, I think it's just time to say the war is done. 
I'm home by the grace of God and, and move forward with the gratitude of people like me and, uh, and the people of the Freedom Center. So welcome home, job well done, get to work and uh, leave it behind you as best you can. If you need help, uh, talk to me. Stop me after service and let's, let's talk some more. I'll buy you a coffee and we can spend more time. Yeah. And uh, if you're listening to this and you didn't know, Pastor was in the military as well. So um, it's cool that he, when he talks about stuff like that, it's not that you were in a war, but you you know no. what it's like to yeah I've been shot to at. be yeah to be broken down and yeah. kind of built into what the army wants you to to become yeah. to go on a mission and point guns at people and not yeah. know who the good guys are and the bad guys live in a constant state of fear for weeks on end yeah. not not fear but alert sure you know what I mean yeah absolutely yeah. all right well the last question for today I, um, this has been asked kind of several times but uh, it's just the the topic of substance abuse. How do I forgive somebody that has a substance <laughs> abuse? You're pointing at me and I'm I, like, I was I don't like hey, it's your turn to answer questions. She says it. Yeah, I, you know, and I assume you know, this is family uh, and marriage relationships. Yeah, well, a couple of them are like, it's, I have a husband that has a substance abuse problem. We have kids. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's obviously a very complicated thing because somebody that has a substance abuse problem isn't normally in their right state of mind. They're, yeah. they're thinking. Well, let's, let's just do this. I, I would say that the best answer to all these things is, is love, right? So, but here, here's where it gets a little complicated. Loving your spouse who is a drug addict does not mean, you know, handing them your paycheck or, or letting them take their paycheck to the bar, to the crack house, to the heroin street corner, uh, does not mean they're not allowed to be a parent. It, like sometimes the most loving thing you can do is an intervention followed by an ultimatum. And, and, and I know that's hard, but there's one thing harder, and that's the phone call you get from the county sheriff saying we found your husband you know, in a car dead. So it is, a, it is a difficult, tumultuous, confusing, fearful time. So my, my answer is you got to do what love dictates. It is not loving to facilitate someone's ongoing deception, addiction, while they destroy your children, while they destroy your life. It's not. Mm-hmm. It, it is, uh, I don't think, in any way, shape, or form separating. Uh, divorce maybe is not the extent that you would immediately go to, but a legal financial separation to, to give that person time to repent. Yeah. Um, if they do not repent, they have abandoned the marriage for heroin they've abandoned the relationship for you know what i mean other yeah. things and i and i it is up to the individual how long they can endure that and i guess what i would say this i just said this yesterday to the person in the store it's it's not the divorce that kills people it's the three years later with the woulda shoulda couldas you know what yeah. i mean because divorce is not an answer divorce is a new level of pain it's a right. different level of pain it's a different level of dysfunction yeah. well we've heard people just in marriage ministry that have been through divorce and have been remarried and now are happily married in their second marriage yeah. and hear them say, I wish I would have just figured it out in my yeah. first marriage, even though I'm happily married today. Yeah. Like yeah. the pain and everything that you go through in that divorce. I wish, and the kids, what the kids yeah, go through. I wish we would have just yeah, figured it out. Yeah, the destruction of the home sure. and the family, not just yeah. a marriage. Yeah. So, you know, I'm my parents were divorced when I was in second grade. Uh, yeah. My mom married my stepdad whom she had an affair with and mm-hmm. they've been happily married for 40 years but that doesn't mean it came without a cost my siblings right. um you know their ideals about marriage were, were changed by that mm-hmm. um you know if, if you see divorce work well then divorce is a legitimate mechanism i'm right. not happy i'll just get divorced i have a, yeah. a sibling that's been married she's on her third third marriage now fourth marriage right now and she's married a guy that i'm, I'm not real crazy about and I, I you know what i mean so yeah my other sibling never got married um, she's, she, she never will get married. I, I seriously doubt 
guess you will get married. Mm-hmm. The other one waited till he was probably in his 40s to get married and never had children because it was too late to have. So, I mean, it does, there's a price to pay, yeah. you know, for divorce. So, you know, I'm unhappy. This will make me happy. You don't know divorce. That right. it, but but I, I'm, I'm enabling someone as they die slowly in front of me. You know, sometimes there's worse things than, than separating from a spouse or from a family member. Um, sometimes the best thing in the world for them is, is to let them fall. Yeah. When we were, when you were, uh, in, in the womb, we talked to a, a friend of ours and I said, Hey, you're an awesome parent. Your kids are awesome. The Bruner family. And Mike Bruner was his name. I said, Mike, could you give me some advice about parenting? He said, yeah, let them fall. And without hesitation, I'm like, what's that mean? He goes, well, every time they fall, don't run to them and pick them up and oh, poor baby, let them fall, let them try, let them climb, let them fall off the things they climb. Mm-hmm. When they, when they, there's a, a problem with a teacher, don't go to the conferences on behalf of your child, let them work it out with the teacher. If they get an F in a class or an E in the class in Michigan, you know, then, then that's the consequence of not doing your homework or not yeah. studying for the test. Like do not rescue your children. They'll never learn how to be adults. And I'd say the right. same thing's true so often in marriage. There are times we step in because we should, and there are times we step out because we should, right. I, because it's what's best for the person. It's unloving to say I'm in pain, so I'm removing myself, so I'll be happy. That's, yeah. that's a terrible, selfish thing to do. But, but I'm in pain, and you're, you are the reason for that pain, and the best thing, the most loving thing I can do for you is withdraw any benefit from our relationship. Yeah. You're not going to see your kids. You're not going to be able to stay in this home. Right. Um, you don't have any money, any access to our finances anymore, and you get out, and uh, they go sleep in a homeless shelter for a while, and they start to make some decisions that are good for them. Right. Or, or go to life challenge or, yeah. or they don't and they go way off the deep end and they die. Right. And, uh, that's tragic. Yeah. But they die anyway. I, I mean, just say all addicts die. Right. Every addict is going to die because of their addiction mm-hmm. unless they get help. So whether they die today uh, or they die 20 years from now, I'm not sure which one's less merciful. Right. I think there's more hope and separation and, and consequence and pain than there is yeah. ongoing patience with things right. like that. But can you, can you, Dina, can you talk to maybe the, the wife side of that say that there's a, a a marriage and the husband has an addiction problem and you're the wife and you have kids like that can be a scary thing to right. I'm going to take my kids away from their father and we're going to try and figure this out and I'm going to be like a single parent essentially for a while I'm sure you've had women that have asked you can well, I, mean, I do that, this should honestly, I do this it comes back to the Aunt Deborah situation you right. know I'm going to leave my husband and Sometimes she would stay in the marriage just because what does that do for me? You know, I'm taking my kids out of a, I mean, they had a gorgeous home. They Mm -hmm. had great private schooling, private schooling, executive, you know, and so for her to leave meant a whole new lifestyle for all of them. And she would battle the, is it fair to my girls for me to stay in the marriage, to leave the marriage, you know, that everything that she did was for them. Mm-hmm. And um, so it wasn't until it got um, to where she was faced with, I can either leave and they have a lifestyle. Either way, the girls were going to have a lifestyle change. If right. he chose to kill her, which was the threat, mm-hmm. they would have been living without a mom. Right. If she chose to leave him, they would have been changing their lifestyle. Sure. And she, that's why she just had to say, God, lead me and direct me and stuff. So... Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I guess I kind of want to come back to, you asked me about the chase down your decision. What does it really mean? So, um, grandma had, was molested as a child, chose not to deal with that, Mm -hmm. started using, um, alcohol to deaden the pain. Yeah. 
the alcohol went to um, prescription, prescription drugs. drugs. Yeah. And that was the last time we went home, what escalated Grandpa mm-hmm. into um, his fit of rage that he had with us daughters was because Grandma had an opioid addiction Addiction. that she did not she didn't tell the hospital about when she had surgery yeah so she came out of surgery in withdrawal a major surgery a surgery where a lot of people die was a 50 50 chance of surviving the surgery yeah it was it was a surgery where they where they definitely need to know if you've had opioid problems or not so she came out and i mean that quite honestly they took all of her insides out set them on the table did what they needed to do put them back so i mean like split you know Mm -hmm. and came out of surgery and needed 10 security guys to hold her down because of the the withdrawal that she was having right out of her mind and should have killed her yeah and because my sister and i chose to tell the hospital about the addiction yeah um that's what made him mad but he had always covered for her he had always provided a codependent i mean to the point of yeah. he went to the doctor to get a prescription for medicine so that he could give it to her right so she was taking unbelievable amounts. unbelievable yeah. amounts and mm-hmm. so she finally got clean in the hospital came out and what did grandpa start doing started just yeah giving it right back to her so right. um there is in the substance abuse sometimes the the person that one's out becomes the person that is the enabler enabler mm-hmm. and stuff. So I would definitely say if you find yourself in that, that position, you know, to ask yourself, well, basically to get alone with God and what's God saying to you? What, where's God leading you? Where's, yeah. and I want to, I want to close cause I know our time is yep. well over, but that doesn't bother me cause I'm pastor Jim. <laughs> the, there's a great story that George Bush tells about George and Laura. He owned uh, the Houston Astros. I think it was and Texas Rangers, Texas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and he was, he was drunk and he, and he was an alcoholic and he came home drunk for the umpteenth time. And Laura, her, her rebuke, she didn't leave him. She didn't whatever. She just said, I, I know you to be a better man than this. And, yeah. I, and I expect you to be the man that I know. Right. And he's, he, in his story, in his biography, he said that was the day that he decided not to drink. And it wasn't her leaving. It was her saying, it wasn't accountability. I'm going to hold you accountable. Did you drink today? Yeah. It was like holding to account for his ability. You have an ability to be a world changer. And right now you're just a, you're just a spoiled, rotten drunk. Now yeah. knock it off. And the joke is, you know, they, they pulled into a gas station the gas, the guy comes out, pumps gas, recognizes the governor's, you know, the time's wife. Yeah. And he goes, who is that, sweetheart? And Laura says, well, that's that's Billy. I went to prom with him. He goes, that's funny. If you'd have married him, you'd be the, the wife of a gas station attendant. He said, no, if I'd have married him, uh, he would have been the, the governor of Texas. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think there is a, there's yeah. a tremendous power in our right. spouse's faith in us. So Definitely. You know, I, I, I know the frustration and the whatever. Yeah. But I, if you are going to confront somebody, you're, count, you're, you're confronting them to account for their ability, not just you're a rotten drunk and yeah. our kids are getting screwed up because of you. It's, right. I, I believe you'd be a better person. Than yeah. This. I just listened to an interview the other day with a uh, professional football player that's in the Hall of Fame now. He had a drug problem in college. And uh, he said he almost like just quit football and he said he got a phone call from his mom (laughs) and his mom uh, said, what did I do wrong? that is leading you to this point. And he right. said, for some reason, that question just made him change. Just destroyed him. <laughs> yeah, that was like, that was like anybody could have told me anything at that time. Yeah. And I would have just kept on doing my thing. But she yeah. called me and said that. And that was the day that I 
changed my life around and yeah. kind of became the person who he is now. He's married. He's got kids. In the Hall of he Fame. Had, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. changed. And he came from a very poor family. So he said, that's the day, like, not only am I going to change my life, but I'm going to take care of my mom and family. Yeah. And so um, I think if you have somebody in your life that is dealing with that, you could be the one person that has yeah. Yeah. that ability to ask some the right question or say the right thing that could literally make them change their entire life. Yeah. So. And that there's usually a route that somebody's sure. trying to cover yeah. up, you know. Yeah. And when you ask Holy Spirit to lead you in, you know, you you know you're going to talk to this person. You know, Holy Spirit, lead me. What yeah. are the words to say that we can get to the root right. of it and yeah. everything? So awesome. All right, thirty seconds. Yeah. Next su- round. No, next next Sunday. Oh. Give me thirty if you if you know because I know it's kind yeah, of a one off. Yeah, thirty seconds. I I don't know what the name of the series is going to be, but I I want to help people prepare for life in the arena. We've gone from a quote unquote Christian nation where nominal Christians, in other words, they don't believe the Bible, they don't go to church, they don't worship God. But if you say, "Are you a Christian?" they go, "Well, I'm not a Buddhist," and they check the box. Right. We we are now uh, a minority uh, yep. in, in our culture. And when you're, you fight different on top than you do on bottom. So we're okay. gonna learn a little Christian jujitsu. We're gonna learn basically how to engage our community as a minority, not as a majority. Because mm-hmm. we've done it, we continue to do it as if we're a majority, and everyone should think the way we do, and it doesn't work that way. So right. we're, gonna, we're gonna engage at a different level of combat, spiritual warfare, and uh, so we're gonna get ready for the, I think I'm gonna call it in the arena or in the Coliseum. I think we're gonna talk about how to, how to change the world um, you know, in, from a different position. We're not up in yeah. the stands. We're, we're, we're fighting on the ground now. So, right. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so looking forward to that. That's that's what's developing in my heart as we awesome. speak. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, uh, we would love to see you 9 and 1130 this Sunday. The Forgive series is over. If for some reason you didn't catch it, you can always catch it on YouTube, on Facebook. There's plenty of different places, different avenues for you to find the sermon. would love for you to go and listen to that. And we will see you next week at 9 and 1130 at Freedom Center Church. Have a great week. 